This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL, Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. And a good show lined up for today. Yesterday, uh, yesterday we talked with the number one angler in the world, and I, I, mean, I think right now, you can't really argue that that would be the one and only Jacob Wheeler had some really interesting things to say was, was fairly candid about uh, kind of the state of uh, major league fishing in the bass pro tour. If you haven't had a chance to uh, watch that, I highly suggest going back and watching that show uh, much appreciation for Jacob Wheeler. Didn't have to come on and do that. Uh, I thought it was interesting. A lot of people were like, Oh, well, you know, none of those guys talked until Boyd went on Ike live. Dude, this was set up before it was even, announced that Boyd was on Ike Live. This is 100% all uh, Jacob Wheeler. So definitely worth a listen to. Uh, and he talked about some interesting things. And and after he talked about that, there was some stuff that he said uh, that he kind of looks for when it comes to a healthy organization, a healthy industry. Uh, and I was like, you know what? You're right. So I, I got another guest for today. I got Taylor Watkins on the show. We'll bring him in from Tennessee. What's up, Taylor? Thanks for jumping on. What's up, Matt? Thanks for having me, man. Uh, Wheeler said something, and, and I, I talked with you briefly before we went live today, uh, about how he wants to really focus on the, the top middle tier. Now, he's talking of the BPT in this instance. So those 20 to... Well, right now, 50th place guys, which would be, I guess, if they cut to 50 in a couple years later. But he was talking about how if you could have those anglers make a good living, uh, that that would help the health of the organization top to bottom to where they wouldn't have to worry about finance. And, and it kind of thought, well, we've got that scenario going on in a number of the different leagues of what about those top middle guys in the opens and the mlf pro circuit like i'm i was sitting around and i was like man i don't know any of those guys who are who are like not worried about their future and about the finances unless they're independently wealthy or have a massive title deal which not very many of them have in that case typically a family friend that's not endemic and you fall perfectly into that category a three-time uh npfl winner uh, owner of Omega Custom Tackle in the industry, but then struggled in this year's Opens. And I know we kind of talked back and forth on the water uh, this year about it. And I was like, man, that would be a good talk to have today. So thanks for jumping on BTL. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, we talked briefly and I'm sure we're going to dig into it, but dude, it, it is a hard time in bass fishing right now for, for a guy like myself, you know, and uh, a lot of decisions to be made in the next, you know, six eight ten twelve months for sure that this is the next 12 months are going to be a big deciding factor on my future in bass fishing for sure 
you came out of the gates hot uh, in the first couple of years of the MPFL. Three wins, roughly, what, $200,000 in earnings on $60,000 entry fee. So, I mean, when you fished the MPFL those first years, you actually, like, made money, correct? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the first two years at MPFL, I was, you know, this is the way bass fishing is supposed to be. And, and that's kind of what I went into it like was, Hey, I'm going to give this a go for a couple of years. And, uh, if it goes well, then we'll continue. If it don't, then we're done. And, and I thought, you know, man, I thought if I get out there and prove myself and do well and, and all that, then, you know, it was painted this picture of you get out there and you win and you'll get sponsors and, you know, rainbows and butterflies, but (laughs) it is not that at all. What did you, if any uh, kind of jump, did you experience any financial windfall after your wins? I mean, did you experience a lot uh, more interest or was it, did you kind of sit back or just kind of talk me through that and kind of the learning experience that you went through on how to capitalize on those wins? Cause you went on the Kissimmee chain Cumberland, which was a really cool tournament and then grand, correct? Yep. That's right. And it, it was, I mean, every one of them was, uh, you know, there was a jump, you know, and, and a substantial jump and people that knew who I was, the things that I got to do, the, you know, coming on your podcast, going on different ones and, and get my name out there. And there was definitely a lot of interest, but, you know, whenever it gets down to the financials of it, you know, yeah, everybody wants to be a part and, and go and ride with you. And I did, I, I've got some great partners right now, but you know, that was it exactly what you said at the beginning of the show was that non-edemic that that big non-edemic that goes on the center of the boat that that's the one that really keeps you going uh i don't have that one you know that one hasn't came along for me so it's interesting how that like i said materializes for some guys it seems so easy to get out and you'll be casually chatting like this is no joke you'll be casually chatting with guys and they're like yeah I mean, I got a two-year 50K deal each year, and they're like in the opens. And yeah. then you see other guys who are who are grinding, 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 and they're like, man, I have half of my entry fees covered. And they're both talented anglers, both at the same level. And and I, I grapple with sometimes, like, is that luck? Is that marketing savvy? Is that right place, right time? Uh, I guess running in the different circles. But it, it's interesting, the disparity at the what I'll call the triple a level, even though it's basically, it is, it is a pay to play. Uh, I guess I still don't consider the uh, invitationals a triple a level. There's so many guys that have made a career over on FLW tour that kind of yeah. got thrown into that. And you have to qualify for that pro circuit through the Toyotas. Uh, I know it's not their top tier now, but uh, you see so many of those guys and there's such a disparity of guys who seem to have equal talent level when it comes to the sponsorship dollars and how different companies and people value their dollar. Like for some, I feel like it's a tax write off. Oh, definitely a hundred percent. You know, I mean the, the ones that are, you know, I know, I know several and all of them, I know a lot of these guys and I talk to a lot of them. It's just like you're saying, you know, the, the ones that have got that non-edemic that really, you know, I mean, yeah, it plays into the fishing industry, but that's not their main gig that they really care about. They either, A, really like the guy that they're sponsoring or it's a family friend or, you know, they met them somehow and they go on a couple of fishing trips a year together or they take 
some of their employees on some fishing trips, whatever it may be, that's the one that really pushes you over the top. You know, all the Demet guys, which went in tournaments and stuff, that's the ones that you get to talk to because those are the ones that are paying attention, right? Those are the ones that are watching bass fishing. You know, like I, I got on with Yamamoto and Bill Lewis, you know, the whole GSM team and uh, Baitworks, you know, and uh, Bass Boat Electronics. Bass Boat Electronics jumped on with me year two, you know, and, and they're great, but they've also got everybody else that is beating on that same door, you know, so that, you know, they want to help you out as much as they can. And they do. They, I mean, all of those companies help me out substantially, but there's only so much that they can do. You know, I, I thought you made an interesting decision going into 2023. You buy a tackle company and then you go fish nine opens. <laughs> That's I mean, Is that a fair assessment in, in, a, in, a, in, in a one sentence to wrap up how it went? Yeah, uh, essentially, I'll, I'll, it, interesting decision is uh, probably not the way that I would put it, but <laughs> go back to uh, late 2022, early 23, because uh, this is why I think it's that you have an interesting perspective because you experienced the MPFL where I feel like the carrot is the cash, but then Bassmaster, the carrot is the elite series, fame, prestige, honor, glory, and an outside shot at the classic. Uh, Talk about that decision, kind of go back and put yourself in, because you bought Omega in July of 2022, right? That's right, yeah. What was the decision, like, what was it that kind of intrigued you to make the jump to the Opens, knowing you'd fish all nine uh, and knowing what the payout was? Yeah, so there was a lot of factors went into my decision to, to fish the Opens. Of course, a number one, like you said, chasing that carrot, you know, like, it, it's the Bassmaster Elite Series. It's, you know, that's where the dream is, the Bassmaster Classic, you know. And I said from day one, whenever I fished the MPFL, that I was going to go fish the MPFL, establish myself, and then at the time, you could fish three Opens right. and qualify and go for the Classic, all of the above. That was my plan the whole time. So I fished the first two years of MPFL. I got established. I got my feet under me. I felt like that I was pretty stable and I was going to fish MPFL and three opens. And then, you know, of course, everything changes just like it always does in bass fishing. And of course, we went to the all nine. Well, also on the other side of the coin, MPFL went to a $6,000 entry fee. They were going to Amistad for their first tournament. They were going to Texarkana for their second tournament. They were going to Ufala, Oklahoma for their third tournament. Well, all three of those events right there are 15 hours for me, 14 hours, you know, driving and a $6,000 entry fee. And we were fishing for $50,000. And I had several sponsors that came to me and said, hey, we'd really like to help you out, but we want to see you at Bassmaster, you know? And so that kind of went into the decision to go fish all nine. And then of course, you know, after I turned in deposits and did all of that stuff, they changed the first tournament at MPFL. And then of course changed the entry fees and the payout. Oh, you but know? then you were seven, but you were 7,200 K in with the. Yeah. Our, I was already commitment to your deposits years. and everything, you know, into the open. So I was already locked in, you know, mm -hmm. and 
and I don't have this endless flow of cash that I could just say, well, you know what, forget that, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, I was locked in for the opens for 2023 and I mean, I hate it. I, I love those guys over the MPFL, you know, I mean, that it, it's the best trail that I've ever fished and, you know, but it is what it is. They made the decisions that they made. I made the decisions that I made. And, you know, now here we are back, in October of 2023 and we get to make another decision, you know, I'm so I'm calling the NPFL, the cat league. Cause they have nine lives over there. Every time they think they're down, they land on their feet. It's happened every single year so far. They got like, they they still have like six more lives. They'll be around forever. You can't, you cannot sink that ship. <laughs> That's a uh, just pure brute force over there. Uh, I, I was on the first year that the, that all of that happened with the championship and everything, uh, I was on the phone a lot and, and got to see a lot of the behind the scenes of how all of that went down and, and what happened to, for them to be able to land on their feet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're not afraid to uh, jump in the ring and fight. That's for sure. So, uh, what, what were your initial thoughts jumping to the opens from i mean you had not fished an open before like you fished nine opens you jump in the first one lake you follow 230 boats five days of practice i remember looking around at that one at lake you fall in alabama and going my god there's a lot of good anglers here who are putting their careers on the line for this and then ironically not a single one of those guys ended up finishing in the top 10 uh it was all 20 to 25 year olds and then the the old elder statesman Milliken at 34. But uh, was the, is that an adjustment period for someone who's used to tournament fishing, has experienced a lot of winning, and then to go to that scene? Like, is that a, a little bit of a culture shock? Oh, it was more than a culture shock. I mean, that, you know, that second day of practice at Ufall, I remember uh, I was rooming with Trey Swindle, and I'm, I'm like, I come back and I said, dude, how do you even practice? Because <laughs> I would get on a little deal and I would, you know, run to an area and be like, you know, look on my map and I'd say, all right, I'm going to go check out this area. I'd run in there. Well, there'd be 10 boats in there. And I'm like, I don't even, why am I going to go in there and practice? There's 10 boats in there. If 10 of those guys get three bites. There's going to be for sure those 10 guys in there, you know, and, and I spent some practice just riding around trying to find a place that there wasn't anybody. And, uh, you know, that first tournament was okay. I completely missed the deal. You know, I, I completely missed what was going on. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely a culture shock for me, uh, especially on that first one. Now, second one, I kind of had a little better plan, but didn't execute it as well. So, Do you think that makes you a better angler, having to figure something out with that much pressure that long a practice in that big a field or do you think it's just a survival of the luckiest and fittest um we're gonna find out here in about three months i don't know the answer to that question um i definitely towards the end of the year changed the way that i fished now mm -hmm. get don't get me wrong my my year is a little bit skewed because after the third tournament or so i kind of felt like that i was out of the points so right. i spent five tournaments trying to win you know just strictly yeah. so if i had a 10 11 12 pound day on day one i went for you know 17 You're pulling out the big back. stick yeah you know I, I was doing everything that i could to catch a big bag so my 
year is kind of skewed a little bit. You know, there were some days in there that I probably could have sacrificed uh, some things and maybe got a 50th place finish or something instead of a 70. But, you know, I definitely think that those guys, especially the guys in the top 10, they were completely fishing a completely different way than I fish at all. Are you, is that a forward-facing sonar or just open or just like what What did you notice that was different? Specifically, I know, and I talked to you at uh, Watts Bar that that's your home yeah. lake, right? Yeah. What did you notice there that the guys who are in the top, because a lot of those guys who made the top nine also did well there. I mean, I know you were blown away at how some of these guys were fishing on that fishery that you know really well. Yeah, I so one of the things, and, and I knew it was going to happen, was day one and two of practice, uh, you know, I hadn't been on the lake in 30 days, and I got on the lake, and I was shocked at how well they were biting. You know, I was I was like, man, this, this is going to be better than I thought. And then, gosh, it just progressed so quickly at, okay, you know, I went from getting 20 bites, 25 bites on day one to 15 to the last day of practice was like, dude, you were struggling to even get bit. And so the way that I like to fish, and one thing that I do a lot is I'll just be running down the lake. And if I see something that looks good, I'll just pull in and hit it, mm -hmm. you know, and pick up one or two fish. Now I'll have a pattern that I'm running or something like that, but I'm not afraid to listen to my gut and just be like, that looks good, you know, and wheel in and hit it real quick. Well, that don't typically work in the opens. I, I noticed in the opens that one failure that I had was I might go to, I might have a, a, a B and a C spot. Well, I might hit C first, you know, and then cycle through instead of going to straight to where I think the best money spot is. But after five days of practice uh, in the opens, you better land on them from the giddy. I mean, from the time that they call your boat number out, you better be on them because if you're not here, it's over. It's done. I've, I've kind of noticed that too. And obviously I've had, uh, I've been extremely consistent in the opens. This is one of the first years that I hadn't had a shot going into the last. This was the first year that I didn't have a shot going into the last tournament to make the elites. But uh, I haven't figured out how to catch a big bag. That's been one of my struggles, especially on the big fish tournaments when I know how to. I haven't been able to land on the big fish. But the other thing that I've noticed during practice is if I have a really good spot or a great spot in practice, it will consistently get worse as the tournament and practice progresses. But if yep. I have a spot with potential that is like a C or a D in practice, that spot may not get better, but a lot of the other, it seems like a lot of the other areas and a lot of other fish come down because of how much splitting and how many other people find those fish and how many of those fish get caught, which makes that C or D spot come up to be a A minus or a B spot by the time the tournament starts. So I've, I've found it's like, I found a lot like in, pra in practice, I'll find areas and be like, look around, look at the map. If it's obvious and be like, there's yeah, no this point is, coming back. yeah, there's no point in coming back here. It's going to be it, but you know that there's going to be a top 10 out of that area. 
But yeah. you also know that there's going to be seven chumps watching him going, damn, that should have been me. Yeah. So it's I've always hesitated to go to those spots and take, like I, I average 12.007 pounds a day and weighed in a bass every single tournament that I fish this year, or limit every single. T- but I never had a, a kicker, or, you know, outside of a thousand islands where, you know, yeah. that. But it, because I was scared to put myself in the position to zero by going to, and sometimes I just completely missed the boat, but by going to what I thought was the juice because I'm trying to survive. Yeah. It, one of one that really opened my eyes was Wheeler. You know, I, Same I, it, it, I knew where it was going to go down. The whole field knew where it was going to go down, but I tried to stay on those outskirts of, all right, it's going to go down right here, but let me try and stay out here on this outside edge and try and find something out here to myself a little bit, whereas I should have just nosed up and got in there and just bulldogged around with everybody else. But that's just not me. That's not the way that I fish. That's not Mm -hmm. how I like to fish. And there was several tournaments that went down that way this year. You know, and, and I think that was a demise to me because I like to get off to myself and kind of dabble around you know i don't mind if there's one or two guys around but if if i'm looking at 10 or 15 boats i i struggle with it hard i have a hard time with it i do as well uh talk about trying to run a tackle company too because you made that and then going into this year that has to be hard i know there's a number of anglers who have uh manage and run tackle companies and also fish at a high level but to me that would be extremely time consuming and hard to hard to separate and focus on it like do you find yourself spending time on the water working on omega and time in omega when you want to be on the water and i mean this is all still fairly new to you i feel like that's an interesting dynamic i'm i'm really still trying to find that balance you know and uh, I actually called and talked to Zach Burge, one of our anglers, uh, last week about it, you know, and it was like, man, I'm really struggling right now because, gosh, I just really want to take a break from it all, you know, and and it you can't. I can't. I can't take a break from it because I got to continue with Omega, you know, so it, it it's great, but then again, it's... Uh, you know, it's also got its downfalls where it's like, I can't just walk away from it and, uh, you know, take a break from bass fishing. I, sometimes I like to go jump in the deer woods and, and deer hunt a little bit and leave it all back at the house. But I mean, you can't, you still got to respond to emails and mm-hmm. work on this and work on that, you know? So, um, it is cool. I mean, it, it's fun. I enjoy it, but, uh, it's definitely a challenge and I'm still trying to learn how to balance uh, tournament bass fishing business owner and I'm still an employee as well you know so you throw that in there on top of it man it it is it's it's a lot any experience in the tackle industry before this uh no other than casting it out there and catching a bass on it that's about it <laughs> what what made you want to uh dive into this endeavor man you know, I, I'd done well at, uh, MPFL and I wanted to invest my money into something that I thought that I could grow, you know, like I was trying, am trying to, uh, build my own sponsor really essentially, you know, like 
that was kind of the goal was, all right, let's buy Omega, let's grow it, let's get it, you know, big or bigger. And that way, possibly Omega could support my fishing addiction, you know? Because <laughs> you're what, 30, 35, 36? 33. 33, okay. Uh, and Omega, to me, there was a picture here. I want to find this picture. So when I see this, I think this Omega's been around for a long time. It's been through a couple different owners. Uh, are you the third? I think the third owner of Omega. But yeah. so if you can see that right there, the one that I'm circled, that logo right there to me is synonymous with Derek Remitz. Yeah. Back in the back in the mid 2000s, the the brand has been around for a long time. But I also know, do the jig company, uh, the jig game is a tough game to make a living in. So you've actually done a lot of, uh, and there's been a lot with Omega of kind of expanding it just outside of, hey, we do a football jig, a finesse jig, and a flipping jig. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot more to it, uh, you know, uh, spinnerbait, buzzbait, you know, several different things. But uh, yeah, the the jig game is definitely hard. I, I really thought that I was going to be able to, uh, you know, Omega's got a great, footprint in that midwest that mm -hmm. like those arcs you know around you oklahoma all that like it's phenomenal and i really thought that i was gonna be able to bring omega to east tennessee well everybody in east tennessee makes their own jig apparently <laughs> <laughs> it's like we we went to the east tennessee fishing show it's like yeah i got all that stuff in my garage yeah i got all that stuff in my garage i don't need any of that you know and so uh East Tennessee's a tough sale, man. Uh, there, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, good old boys down in their garage that are pumping out some jigs around here. Is that uh, Ozark Midwest area by far like the most? Like, if you were to pick a part of the country that uses a just your standard jig the most, is it that Ozark, Oklahoma, Missouri area? Like, without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we went and fished Lake of the Ozarks this year with the opens and. You know, I used Omega stuff throughout the year on different lakes, you know, but it was a swim jig or mm -hmm. you know, flipping jig or something like that. But dude, whenever I got to Lake of the Ozarks and I started practice, what it it really opened my eyes. I'm like, I got a football jig tied on. I got a structure jig tied on. I got a finesse jig tied on. I got, you know, it's like, well, no wonder this is so good out here, yeah. you know, because you there's such a variety and they just eat it so well out there you know like you put it in a brush pile it's getting bit if you put it around the dock it's getting bit so uh no wonder that the brand really uh took off and and is doing well there in that midwest region and the other thing is especially okay like grand table rock lake of the ozarks if you're dragging a football head you're either dragging it through nasty rock or brush you're breaking off <clears throat> five yeah. bucks every 20 minutes if you're if you're properly fishing it around the docks you're breaking off new yeah. finesse jig every 20 minutes i think i went through and i finished i think either finished 59th or 60th in that event i went through 300 dollars worth of jigs like no <laughs> joke because i because i had to restock everything so i know what i had i bought 300 dollars worth i bought two different jigs i bought uh finesse football jigs and uh some round balls and that was it 300 dollars worth 
hundred dollars worth of trailers on it. And when I was done, I had three jigs left in my box. I made a brand new box with all the jigs, put them all in there. And it was, I mean, there's a lot of lead in like the Ozarks. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I wouldn't want to drink that water aside from all the partying that goes on there. I I did the same. What's sad is I don't want to, Omega and uh, I had a couple of my you know pro staff guys there and around I'm like hey uh you got some uh pro megas laying around I need some three eights pro megas you got it and they're like what you own the company I'm like yeah I'm out but <laughs> I was shocked like in it. practice I started uh and because a lot of the stuff you get stuck on it doesn't matter whether you have a hook or not like it gets wedged or it gets uh, ra- wrapped around somewhere where you can't. So even though, you know, you can take dikes and cut a hook off and be like, there's a bite, there's a bite. You think you wouldn't lose them when you're pitching over all the cables and stuff. Like I lost just as many on the last three days of practice without a hook as I did the two days of competition where I was putting it in, in, in all the godforsaken areas. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I, that's, I was the same way at grand. I, I won on a jig at grand and I had a, bag full of them you know I, I probably had 30 and at the end i was scraping you know like i'm mm-hmm. like so yeah wherever you, especially wherever you get on them wherever you get on them with the jig you better have a you better have a pile of them nationwide if you had to pick one jig head style weight and color that you would say is the most universal jig that that sells what, what are you going with like what what are the stats show that's the currently available yeah I, no, that's we'll do we'll do what sells and then we'll do what you think. But I'm talking about you have privy to stats. I mean, you have this company here to, to where you like if you just one universal jig that is probably the most popular from New York to California. I'd say just a half ounce flipping jig. Uh black and blue or green pumpkin, they're a close race. Half ounce green pumpkin. The would that be the pro mega structure jig then? No, half flip. Oh, just the straight flipping jig. Yep, half ounce flipping jig. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought it would be. Yeah. Huh. What about you? What do you think? Uh, mine is a five eighths Pro Mega, that structure jig, Pro Mega structure jig, and mine would be like TW Crawl or Choby. What's the difference between the two? Uh, different head style and weight. And hook and different hook on it as well. Oh, the flipping jigs are round bend. This is what do you what is the name of that style of hook? Do you call that? It's I've like had, a, I've had some people tell me it's O'Shaughnessy. I've had I don't I always just called it EWG style, is what okay. I've always called. But it it's made more for casting. So that that structure jig is made more for it was built for brush piles at Lake of the Ozarks. Uh Roger Fitzpatrick is actually one of the ones that really worked worked on that i'm sure derek remitz probably worked on it at that time too but uh they were throwing football jigs and all those brush piles out there and you know like you said every five minutes they were breaking them off so they came up with that pro mega structure jig and you know kept that same hook in it and it's made for casting you know and and fishing brush piles and i know for a fact i know for a fact that there was three top tens in the opens this year on that exact jig so this is that pro mega jig head right here. And by the way, BTL is not sponsored by Omega. I'm just, I like talking jigs and we just got done with some jig tournaments and Taylor owns a jig company. So handy. Yeah. Uh, that's this jig head right here. Yep. Like with that kind of, it's almost like a banana shape on the head. Does that 
roll over instead of dig into the brush you're saying that that like what makes that jig better in brush than others it's the head design and the way that hook like you're talking about right there it's you know whenever it comes up to a piece of brush it'll actually you know it'll come up and 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 what happens is is whenever a jig rolls over that's when it gets hung so wherever it flips and rolls over that gets hung so that head design actually stays flat and it'll actually come up and over the branch that you're trying to come up over and and keep it from getting hung and then that hook you know with that bend on it wherever you've got you know you're making a bomb cast out to a brush pile 60 70 feet out there well that hook is not a super heavy hook but it's got plenty of you know meatiness to it you just kind of reel down and hit them and it's got them dude it, it locks them up uh i i know i can't say everybody well jacob bigelow jacob bigelow had one or two top tens off of it this year that exact jig the five eights pro mega uh his favorite colors missouri crawl and then uh uh gosh um there was like two or three others too mm -hmm. but so uh, this is what you're talking about so this is the flipping jig that i pulled up so meteor hook less penetration on long distance so that's why you want the close and then you can def yeah it looks a lot those two jigs look similar when the skirt's on but the fact that you can see it without is just straight yep more so for flipping. that 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 yep. jig for just pitching not for casting it's made just to pitch out there 20 30 feet you know straight into a brush pile straight in straight back out you know whatever it may be uh you you know and and that's why there's so many different ones you know people don't think about well a jig is a jig well no mm -hmm. it's technically not uh how big do you feel like rattles are i feel like when i was like a kid like 18 19 20 like the whole purpose of a jig was to have rattles in it central illinois black and blue jig shake that sucker like crazy put the rattles in but now now over the last 10 years i feel like jigs with out rattles are by far more popular than rattling jigs is that something that you can see in the stats as well i i'm exactly the same as you you know i used to always have rattles in my jig like i wouldn't throw a jig without a rattle but you know something i've been thinking about lately is uh and i don't know if it's just me and and fishing i don't know if it's just me and fishing these different tournament trails or if this is actually true but it just seems like to me that the water's not as dirty as it used to be. You know, like in years past, like where we were, where I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I remember from, gosh, late January all the way through early May, it was just, it was always dirty, you know, especially that March, April time frame. I mean, it was black and blue all the way, you know, I mean, that was what you threw was black and blue. But it seems like to me, recently over the past five years and like i said it might just be location, time, like of the location year. time of the year that we're fishing and stuff but man it seems like i rarely throw black and blue anymore because the water's clean you know or cleaner i think i have maybe three black and blue jigs in the boat right now three yeah. that's it yeah if i had to go with one i've gotten hooked on the finesse football there's a couple different brands that make them omega makes a good one but that half ounce finesse football 
I skipped yep. that. I put that in the brush piles. I worked that on rocks. You could fish it like a shaky head. You can put it on 18 pound test and power fish it. You can put it on 12 and feather it. I feel like that's like such a versatile jig. And then you can also really dictate the the fall and bulk of it by what trailer you put on it. I think that's an underrated jig. Yeah. I uh, personally, I just like heavier. I like that five eights. I like the five eights. I like the fast fall. And it's the same way, like, you know, I can change the trailer and slow it down a little bit. But if I want to keep it fast, I can really get a reaction bite out of it. All right. Uh, we're take our first break of the show. When we come back, I want to dive into kind of your overall impressions of the 2023 season. Uh, and then are you are you willing to talk about what your plans are for 2024? Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll talk about that. Taylor Watkins, three time. NPFL champ and owner of Omega Custom Tackle. It is BTL on a Tuesday, and we'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Guys, if you're a construction worker, soccer dad, soccer mom, you want to be outdoors, oh, you've seen the Reaper. This right here is the Zip Up Full Reaper, but it's windproof, folks, windproof. And it actually has the mask built in. It's behind me. I mean, if you can look good, feel good, and stay warm, you better check it out. It's the Zip Up Reaper. That's right, windproof. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Uh, welcome back, BTL, on a Tuesday, talking with Taylor Watkins. Before we get into the second half of the show, I do want to throw something up. There's a bunch of guys on now, and then if you're listening to the replay, look, I even came up with a, well, I didn't put a, a fancy banner on that, but uh, my title sponsor for the Open's Best on Tour, running a uh, a angler performance questionnaire, conducting a survey to better understand how anglers perform on the water. It takes one minute. The link is in the uh, bio, the YouTube Bass Talk Live bio. It 
I've just filled it out right before the show to make sure I wasn't getting you guys into something crazy. Super easy. They're trying to get a better understanding of some of the habits of anglers uh, on the water. Do me a favor. If you're a listener of BTL, if you are watching this, uh, take a minute, click on that link, fill that survey out. Uh, greatly appreciate it for me and the folks over at Best on Tour. We talk about title sponsors and the importance of title sponsors and being able to do uh, and fish. Without Best on Tour, I, I'd, I'd be fishing the BFLs. So, <laughs> I mean, that's what, it, that's what it comes down to. So, if you support BTL, uh, if you like the show, what's going on here, please go fill that survey out. It takes one minute to do. All right, Taylor. Uh, it was not a great year in the Opens for you. No, it was brutal. And you were one of the guys that I had highlighted beforehand. Obviously, we talked about the three NPFL victories. And one of the guys that I looked around and went, damn, this guy is just really consistent, knows how to win. I don't care whether it's a club tournament or an NPFL event. If you know how to win, you know how to win. It can happen once to anybody. Twice, you start turning your head. Three times, you're like, all right, this guy knows how to win. And uh, it just seemed like you just it was hard to get, like you mentioned, the whole year. But the other thing about this year is it seemed like it was over before it even started. Like, got behind the eight ball and there was 0% chance to catch up. It was insane how good the top quarter caught. Yeah. And and that's, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, I, I can't judge my whole year off of how this year went because you can say it however you want. Once you win a couple of tournaments, man, you, you get the fire lit under you to win. And I found myself doing that. I did it at Watts bar. I missed a check by eight ounces at Watts bar because I caught a couple of good fish, you know, early. And I was like, I'm going to win, you know, and, and I did that on day one and day two, if I would have just settled into an area and caught a couple more fish, I actually probably would have been in the top 10, you know, but it is what it is, you know, your home lake and you feel like, Hey, I got a four pounder and a three pounder. If I go catch two more three pounders, you know, and a keeper, we're going to be in, and, you know, and I would go run big fish stuff and, and it just didn't pan out, but um, it, it was also like you're saying it. If you weren't on top of it right off the the bat, I mean, even during the tournaments, it seemed like it was kind of hard to get something else going. And, and especially for me, I'm not going to pull in on somebody that like uh, you follow Oklahoma. You know, everybody was catching them down that bank. Like, I oh really God, that was a disaster. I refused to fish that thing and I got my butt kicked, you know, like it's like, that was just an absolute disaster. So, you know, it is what it is. I learned a lot. Um, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, uh, about live scoping. I learned a lot about a lot of things this year. And, and you asked earlier, do you think it transpires into, you know, other tournaments? Well, we're going to find out, you know, so you take another I, crack at it or I think I'm going to fish MPF. I got to, man. I, I got to, I know that the opens changed their pay scale and all mm -hmm. that stuff, but, um, and, and I haven't really dug into it, like really, really put side by side, but I mean, you take nine tournaments and how far driving wise, all of those tournaments are, I'm, I would say you're going to end up spending just about the same amount of money as going and fishing the MPFL. And the 
amount of winnings at MPFL is substantially higher, you know, that are available. Um, and I mean, two of the, two of the MPFL tournaments, I won't even have to buy a license for. I've already got it. So, I mean, wow, that leaves me with four tournaments that I got to really travel to. Have they announced what the payout for the MPFL is going to be in 2024? Uh, it's going to be a hundred thousand to win. And then, uh, I don't know. I think I got an email last night about it. I haven't sat down with. Uh, in your opinion, you think that field is going to be the fullest that it has ever been with everything that's happening in the industry? I think so, and I think it's going to be the toughest that it's ever been too. I think I think we're going to have a lot of heavy hitters uh, that are going to show up on that list. Yeah, I mean, we see what what uh, Patrick Walters has done over there with the three victories as well, but I think. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if any uh, BPT anglers take their talents to the MPFL, uh, any perennial open guys take their talents to the MPFL. I haven't looked to see if there's any uh, overlaps, but typically there is an overlap or two just because of the fact that there's really only about 35 weeks of fishable weekends in the season, and you have between Toyotas, Opens, Pro Circuits, elite series and BPTs, you're going to have some overlaps in there, but they did come out with the schedule. I don't think I've mentioned that, uh, on the show and it is an, an interesting schedule. You mentioned, uh, Logan Martin, the first stop Lake Hartwell, then Pickwick Saginaw Bay, the St. John's river, and then a to be announced stop six, but, uh, Pickwick and what is it? Pickwick and Logan Martin. Yeah. That's, you know, Pickwick's probably, three hours from me and Logan Martin's three and a half, two. And, you know, like I, I grew up fishing Logan Martin. Um, and I grew up fishing Tennessee river. So, yeah, I mean, th those two are, I'm not saying that I'm going to win. I'm not saying that I'm even going to cut a check, but nevertheless, I'm comfortable on those bodies of water. Staginaw Bay. I did pretty well up there wherever I fished with MPFL the year before last. And, um, uh, I mean, Florida in the fall, I had a pretty good event there. Yeah. And South Carolina is not that far. No, South Carolina's five hours. Yeah. Four hours, four hours, five hours. And so, what's this, St. John's River 10? Yeah. What, is St. John's closer than Harris? I don't, that was like nine to Harris. So yeah. What, I think it's about that same. Yeah. That's a, that you can't, you can't argue with that schedule, Taylor. No, not $100,000. Like yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I'm located in East Tennessee, which is probably the most centrally located spot that you can get on the map for bass fishing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I know there's some guys that are west of here that are not happy about it or whatever, but here's the thing. Maybe you should have jumped on the PFL last year where they had three events in Texas, you know, or two events in Texas and one in Oklahoma. So, I mean, it, you got to give some, take some now. I did just complain about it earlier, but you know, it was, uh, the, you know, it, it is what it is, how it worked. Out, worked well, out. the opens, you got a bunch of people that are loving it, especially in the Midwest. Cause they're like, Holy cow. We finally can live in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Missouri, jump up, jump down. Yeah. You've got to go out to South Carolina twice and, and Florida once, but, uh, those guys had been driving 15 hours to everything. Now they've got uh, Leech Lake, the Mississippi River, and St. Clair, and you follow Oklahoma. So the half of the schedule is kind of right there in that 
Midwest line. So for a guy like me in Oklahoma, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I like it. It's a lot less driving for me. I got one 45 minutes. Those other ones are 10 hours. They're all kind of dot, dot, dot. I can practice in between as I go between them. And then, yeah, it sucks that I have to make three. But I mean, it was like six cross country trips this past year. So it's actually less driving for a guy like me. But for a guy like you, that's a lot more driving. Yeah. And and it works out that way, you know. So, I mean, it maybe that guy decides to fish the Opens this year. Maybe mm-hmm. next year is for MPFL for him, you know. And we've got decisions. We've got there's, – there's open spots and – uh you know, you make whatever decision you think is best for you at the time. And I mean, we can still all be friends, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is it about the TVA fisheries? I feel like if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, there's, it's really hard to figure that out for a guy who pretty much learned in central Illinois in the Ozarks. Is that fair? Or is, is it easier than I'm making it out to be? I don't know. I mean, there was some some things at the Ozarks that I kind of related back to the Tennessee River. Really? Strictly, well, just strictly because of the gizzards, you know, and falling the gizzards in the fall. And okay. uh, but I think the biggest difference is the current, the current and generation. Once you put the gizzards and the bait together, coming from the Midwest over here to the Tennessee River, and you put the current together with it and you understand that it's game over so the current positions the gizzard so you know where to go based on what the generation is or based on what the flow is you like okay when this happens this is where the bait stacks up when this happens this is what the bait does yeah and and it's not even sometimes it's not even you know summertime obviously we all know what they do here in the summer but it's usually like a steady flow but in the springtime, you know, you may get some big rains and some super heavy flow, you know, then understanding where to kind of get off and what to do is, is kind of the, the, the puzzle piece that a lot of guys miss. But I mean, you've mentioned bait several times. It's, is that even important in the spring then the bait, or is it to get away from the current in the spring? Well, see, the thing is, is you're, you're prodding me, Matt. I'm no. just asking questions. No, no. It's just a podcast, man. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, so one thing, it, one tournament in specific that I can really point out if somebody wants to learn is yeah. go back to the Bassmaster Classic on Fort Loudon whenever Odd Defoe won. There was tons of current that year, and Odd Defoe was fishing the main river, but there was either an island head above him or some type of feature that kicked that current just a little bit where either he got a back current flowing back up river or he was just outside of the current just a little bit where he was still getting a little bit of it, but it wasn't super hard. And so things like that and understanding when they are happening, that's what really makes a good Tennessee river angler. And I feel like a lot of that is time on the water. Like you can't, you can give guys waypoints you can lead the horse to water, but until you're out there and actually see and read, cause I've done it. I mean, it's really hard to read and see when you're not used to it, not yeah. only just to figure out what's going on with the app and all that. And then, you know, you can kind of know that there's current, but it's, that's a really hands-on way to actually learn. There's no way you can learn that over the internet. No, absolutely not. 
Yeah. It's one of the few things. I mean, there's a bunch of different techniques, but there's a lot of stuff you can learn through YouTube videos and through talking to guys. I think TVA and current driven fisheries like that, you have to set eyes on, you have to be on the water, you have to figure that out in order to really understand it. And both of those that you just named, Logan Martin and and Pickwick, are both going to be very current dependent. The only time I've ever felt comfortable it was on Neely Henry. Yeah. And I, I got it. Like, it made sense to me. It was the only time I've been on one of those fisheries where it made sense to me and i I caught the crap out of them but i knew i'd like roll up and i'd be driving i'd be like that stretch of riprap is gonna have a spot on it and i'd go and crank it and catch a spot on it and i would be like we need to be at this part of the lake at this time based on the and i don't know why but for that tournament a couple years ago i just i got it i think neely neely is a smaller lake like that's probably why because you could see the changes quickly Yep, that's exactly it. Because you could be in a part of the lake where it should, and I'd be like, oh, it hasn't gotten here yet, right? Like, it hasn't. And it's easy to see. You can just pull up to a dock post and see it, you know, Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, Gunnersville, you know, Chickamauga is pretty good. It's a little narrower, kind of smaller, but, you know, Gunnersville, Pickwick, uh, Wheeler, I mean, you're just out there in the vast, you know, you're just, you, you, you can't even tell unless you, really know what you're looking for and, and can feel what the boat's doing. That's one big thing is feeling what the boat's trying to do. You know, are you, are you turned is the wind blowing out of the South and the current is pushing you against the wind or, you know, and, and learning all of those things. Are you, do you fish the dams a lot? That's the other thing, like the Pickwick dam or all that. Like I've never, that is intimidating. It it's, seems like the easiest thing to do. Hey, run to the dam and and fish the current below the dam. It doesn't matter which one you pick. <laughs> Would you actually do that if you haven't done that and you don't really have dams like that to to fish in Oklahoma? That's probably one of the most intimidating things you could do. And they all have them in Tennessee and Alabama. Yeah, I I used to spend more time behind them than I have in, you know, probably the past 4 years. But uh yeah, it's definitely a uh, that's a big deal around here on, you know, Coosa River, Tennessee River. And uh, I don't know. It seems to be more of a springtime type deal, too. When I don't know what it is, but more summertime on Tennessee River, you know, the ledges start playing more so than the, the ledges in the grass start playing more so behind the dams. Which to me seems opposite. Like you wouldn't want the, the fish in the spring. I mean, are they sitting there feeding up for – feeding up for the spawn to try to get healthy and that's where the biggest population of bait is that they have to work the least to get and then they go find their slack water to spawn in very positioned so more predictable i would say is the biggest thing yeah what's the best dam on the tva system like if you had one day to fish a dam on all of the lakes just one day for just just pure fun factor. Like if you just wanted to go get your string stretched, not even in a tournament, just to catch the biggest, gnarliest group of all sorts of different species, what dam are you spending a day below? There's going to be some people that get mad at me, but it's going to have to be behind Chickamauga Dam on Nickajack. Really? Yeah. Giant smallmouth. Giants. Huh. I don't know. I mean, there's good ones, dude. There, there he yeah. is. Behind Gunnersville Dam's great. Behind, you know, at 
on Pickwick at McFarland is great. Uh, what what's the other one? I mean, they're all, they're all really good, but uh, behind Chickamauga on Nickajack's pretty good. I've heard I've heard of some like eight pound smallmouth back there. Good lord! <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. But you have to feel, I mean, just because you can get back there, that's that whole seam thing. I remember watching that Elite Series when that water was up, remember? And Kennedy oh, was behind was, there and Martin and all those guys. That was that chaos. Was Alabama River. That was Alabama River. Like, no, there was one on Pickwick, wasn't there? Oh, I, they've had them on Pickwick, too. Yeah, that one where the water came up like six foot oh, overnight. Yeah, yeah you're Just catching them on that big blade. Yeah. Below yeah. McFarland. Yeah, yeah. That was Western. Yeah, yeah, that, that place gets wild. It, it is that's intimidating, man. That current ripping, and you're looking up at the face of that dam and knowing that there's billions of gallons of water above you. And mm-hmm. it's an eerie feeling whenever you start thinking about it. You just got to kind of put your head down and, and go with it. But like Watts Bar, it was dead slick and they weren't even pulling anything. And I'm like going around the dam because I mean, I'm sure all 180 boats checked it out and they still <laughs> caught them on it. And I like, you could like literally like go right up to it and just look over. Yeah. You're just like, damn, that's a long way down. <laughs> Hope they don't open this gate. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird. And then some of them, like, I mean, you know, being from Oklahoma, I'm always like, well, how close can you get? Like, you know, you have to wear your life jacket. But like, to me, it's amazing nah, how you can just go right up to them. It. No one gives a crap. No, nah, you just get up there and bump against it. <laughs> parallel down the side of it. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, that's wild so, stuff. So, what's your plans? Are you? Uh... No, I'm gonna. I'm. A, I signed up for another year. Pain, okay. pain and anguish. I haven't registered yet. The early registration codes went out. It's a week. I really like what Bass did. Uh, you know, they sent out the questionnaire, and I, I would love to see some of the answers on that questionnaire because there's there's one thing you know you'll never make 180 guys happy, ever, in anything, and then you especially throw in lots of money and tournament fishing. I would just, I'd like to read some of those responses, but I thought, uh, I thought for their first year, a, they were dealing with like a hundred more guys than they thought. Uh, Hank said in the last, we was hoping for a hundred guys to do the EQs in the first year. They did 176. Uh, I have no idea this year. I've heard there's going to be more. I've heard there's going to be less, uh, not, a, not a substantial amount less, but, uh, I like what they did by adding some of the, some, some spots to the payout. I mean, you know how it is after one year. It's not easy, at least for me. I'm a grinder, and I there has been multiple events in the Opens where I felt like I fished well enough to get paid. Like I'm like, dude, I I, yeah. I beat eighty percent of the field. I had above average days both days. I did what I needed to do, and I was you know that pound out. So now they add they add a little bit to forty fifth. I'd like to have seen them go to to fifty just because I'm really good at finishing in 47th, 48th, and 49th. But uh, that 45th, and then I also like that they added uh, the payouts, that 13th through 30th gets five grand. Uh, And that way you're actually, this sounds bad, but you're actually breaking even with that. (laughs) Yeah. Which is big. So So. what do you got to do different next year to qualify than you did this year? This is... uh, I got to put myself around bigger fish, which is weird. So 
you're a you're you strike me more as a power guy not a finesse guy not a drop shot ned shaky head type guy i've i've done this whole thing for the last five years on the finesse stuff and every year i've had the bites to be either in the top three or the top six or to make it this year you know you look at the instant feedback i mean i get chirped on it oh you know oh drop shot again 12 pounds again i put that stuff down with few exceptions, I'd say a spinning rod was my predominant rod in two of the eight tournaments. And I caught smaller fish. I never had opportunities for big fish. I mean, I only lost like two fish that were critical like the entire year outside of Wheeler, which was just a debacle where I lost like every fish over three pounds that bit on a spinning rod. But it was crazy the amount of cranking, punching, flipping, and winding that I did where I was like, this gives me the best shot at four pounders, and I catch 15 to 16 inches. Yeah, I really struggled this year, too, at catching quality. Uh, I've always been the type of guy that I've never been scared to go fish for six bites, you know, and and it just doesn't bother me. I, I can go and fish an eight-hour day, 10-hour day for, you know, six to eight bites, and I'm okay with it. But this year, it just, you know, Watts Bar, that's what I went and did, and – yeah, I only caught three the first day and uh, four the second day. You know, it just, I couldn't generate the bites. I couldn't generate the amount of bites that I needed to, and I, and I really didn't lose them. I, I think I really lost one fish this year. That was at a Toledo Bend that really kind of cost me anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't, I think uh, one thing that I would do different was, uh, Whenever I would live scope and stuff, I was throwing a drop shot. I was throwing a med rig. Maybe I stick more with my power type stuff. I noticed that this year in the in in the wild live scoping. You know, like pitching my jig to isolated fish or whatever it may be. And and I'm gonna try that more. You know, I I really uh, I spent some time with the Demiki and and all that stuff. And I just can't get consistent enough with it. I can't. Like I'll have a good day or I'll have a good hour or two. And then it's like nothing, you know, I'll throw it a 500 of them and none of them will bite. And then all of a sudden it'll just be a bam, 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 you know, but I can't get it consistent enough. And I think maybe one thing that I need to do is maybe, and, and I did a good job of that in the MPFL. I did a good job of keeping my style, but incorporating live scope into it a little bit. And I've really got to start building on that more. And I really should have leaned on it more uh, in the opens. I think I, I kind of leaned on my bank beating skills a little too much, and uh, and and it would be great. I, dude, I, I feel like that I won practice on day one and two of practice several, <laughs> several times, and then I don't know if it was that I slacked off because I felt like I had something figured out, and then everything changed, or if it was the fish completely changed. I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I, I kind of always felt like during practice, I had those first two or three days of practice in my back pocket. And then by the time tournament started, that all went away. Have you ever had the burning desire to just show up for the tournament with zero practice and treat it like the first couple of days of practice? Because I think that's a, that's universal guys pull, pull up and be like, dude, you should have seen it. Just treat it like the first day of practice. You've got, we have to be doing something different on those first couple days when we show up, it's not like the fish go, Oh, it's tournament day. 
No, I don't think that they go, oh, it's tournament day. I think that it's, they're fresh, you know? I mean, just like Watts Bar, there hadn't been anybody on the lake, really, other than a couple, few locals for I guess, yeah. 30 days. Because unless you hate yourself, you don't fish that lake for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I hate myself sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and then after, I mean, dude, essentially in the opens, you're having a seven-day or six-day 225-boat tournament. I mean, essentially, that's what you're having, and you start your tournament on day six. Or yeah, it's wild. Late, you know, and, and it just, there's so much pressure, man. And, and I, me personally, I was not used to that. I was, uh, I was used to MPFL and, you know, we only had 110 anglers and I would say 85 of those anglers shook off fish, you know, 85% of the time, 75% of the time and going to, I mean, you think about it, you got 225 anglers out there and you, 225 anglers set the hook on five fish on the first day of practice. So 225. And you really five. have 350 with the co-anglers and you know, dang good and well, every co-angler gives it the freaking beans, every fish during practice, unless they're with a buddy. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're talking. Uh, now I want to do the math. Let's see the math on this. So dude, dude, just say 200, 200 times five. It's a thousand. Okay. Times so times uh let's six. say times three because then some will start shaking them off later in practice yeah is that fair yeah okay that's just three thousand fish on saturday sunday and monday yeah so so three thousand fish have already been caught and then the next two days we'll say uh 1500 fish no a yeah, thousand fish you know dang good and well on those first two days of practice that there's more than five getting caught. Yeah, you're right. Let's do a thousand. Let's do <laughs> let's do five a day for Saturday, Sunday, Monday for five days. Yeah, that's five thousand. That's five thousand bites on a fishery. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Before we ever start, before you ever even start. So I mean, that's it, a lot of bites. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of sore mouthed fish for sure i mean at what's bar there might not be five thousand bass in there i don't know i'm just kidding <laughs> they're definitely not eating each other as skinny as they are yeah they're not eating anything did that surprise you how that got one no not really that's a thing there i mean fishing brush piles with a jig i mean essentially is that not what he was doing yeah a little bit it was more like there's grass too I thought I just thought that the bait, the bait related fish would play more. Yeah. I really tried to find something weird and dumb. And uh I thought I'd found it, but uh I don't know. It, it didn't work. So. I, I think your coolest win has to be the Cumberland win. Dude, it was awesome. That was a lot of fun. I think I had you on BTL. Did I have you on BTL after that one? I think so. Yeah. It was because that was the one that it just like day was canceled. It went Dude. from like beautiful to like what were the conditions on that again? It was something insane. The the water rose sixteen feet in uh forty eight <laughs> hours. And the whenever we started that morning, I think it was like twenty eight degrees, something like that. And the high was uh 40, 38, something like that. <laughs> but 
it was awesome, man. That that was that was one of the most fun days of fishing that I've ever had in my life. I don't know uh, that and the last day at Kissimmee. The last day at Kissimmee was unbelievable. But but that was a one day shootout, wasn't it, at Cumberland? Yeah. And you went but, to the back of a you went to the back of a creek that had clear water or something, and everyone else turned around because it was chocolate milk because it had come up twenty feet. Yeah, and so the, all the fish were back there. Yeah, there there was one little area that uh, everybody apparently everybody had gotten bit during practice, and so I started right there. Well, there was you know of course 10, 12 boats in there, uh, all milling around, and you know oh good old me, I was like I'm not fishing with all these boats. I'm going to go somewhere else, and so I just went further back in the creek, and further I went back in the creek, the clearer it got and the warmer it got, and I found one little bluff. There was one little bluff section, probably. 30 yards long that had giants on it and they were eating a three quarter ounce spinnerbait and it was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> what did you have like mid twenties? 23 on Cumberland. That's a, that's like a 30 pound sack. Any, that's like a 30 pound sack on grand. Yeah, exactly. There, there, I had one guy message me and said that, uh, he had caught more than 23 pounds on Cumberland one time. But large that, mouth, right? Yeah, all large mouth. Yeah. Hey, was, went back and got paid fifty grand. Yeah, that was a cool feeling. That was awesome. I need to get back there. I got to get back to that feeling. I need. I the the opens grind is a lot tougher feeling than that feeling riding back with fifty grand in a live well. <laughs> I tell you what, you learn a lot about yourself in the opens. Like, unless you're one of the guys that rolls in and breezes through it in nine and goes, I don't know what these guys are talking about, but there's all sorts of, I mean, you learn about relationships, financial, travel, self-confidence, self-doubt, getting out of jams, ride the highs, getting over the lows. Like it's a, it's a lesson in, I mean, yeah, you, you have to, you learn a lot about yourself fishing a year of that. Definitely. And, and I hope, you know, I mean, I'm going to try and take a positive from it and hopefully it helps me down the road. You know, it's, um, maybe I get into a situation, maybe, you know, a smaller situation where I am having to fish around a few more boats, you know, and I can pull out some of those things that I learned and, uh, put them to use. I don't know. We'll see. I hope. Awesome. Anything else you want to get in here, Taylor? Um, yeah, I'm working with this new company, Sniper Marine, and uh, if y'all don't mind, go check them out, Sniper Marine. That's a cool logo. Yeah. What is it? I'll pull it up. SniperMarine.com. What are they? Uh... They make a live scope pole. So, dude, we got to get you a live scope pole for crappie fishing. No, I, I don't. I can't do the pole thing, man. Dude, you can do this pole. I'm telling you. What? Okay, sell me on the. Sell me on a. Is it a turret? No, it's manual but you twist the handle side to side like this instead of spinning it around so Wait, do that again for me one second so you twist it like a motorcycle handle like like this okay instead of moving it like this so you get 360 degree turn and the cord runs through the pipe oh that's what you were doing on lake of the ozarks yes absolutely yeah that's where i was like upshaw Go look at Watkins Instagram. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, that's interesting. You're sitting in the driver's seat. You had this thing attached to the side of the boat and you were scoping under all the docks to find the brush. 
Yep. So you you can use it up front. It doesn't mess with your. How so, is it better than a foot control where it's on the shaft? Well, you're spot walking wherever you're uh, crappie fishing, are you not? Most of the time. Yeah, for most of the summer. In the fall, you chase them down because those suckers like to float away. But yeah, no, you're right. If you you can spot lock and then. Yeah. And and OK, the other thing is, is do you usually fish with a partner like a buddy? You got a buddy that goes with you? Yeah. So y'all are fighting over the trolling motor, right? So you yeah. just take it and you put it over the side and mm -hmm. he's got on live scope. He's got two. So you got two. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So you're going to have two screens on the front. Yeah. There's some guys at Grand that have been doing that for years and they beat everyone in the team stuff because one guy uses a scope on the, the other guy, Yeah, and the other guy has his own scope. So they get around where these fish are chasing bait and one guy can be over here doing his thing and the other guy's over here doing his thing. And over the course of the day, it means two extra five pounders yep. when they're on it. Yep. Yeah, that's legit. It, they, they've done a really good job, man. It's that... That pole, um, you know, and it's not for everybody, but mm -hmm. uh, your crappie guys, uh, if you're fishing out of a kayak, this is the jam for a kayak. So we've got a scout model that is a little short guy, which is what I had at my console. And dude, if you're fishing in a kayak, that thing is amazing. These are the over the side mounts yep. that we were so, talking about, where you can just. Yeah. Yep. Or you can, we got trolling motor attachments too. So if you want to put it on your trolling motor, you can. Uh, we can do all of them, Garmin. The only thing we can't do is like a Trenova or what, Trova or anything like that, the wet trick ones that go down. But I any of pull up with a cord, we can attach to the trolling motor. And then you just hook it into your unit. Yep. You just plug it right in. So how long does that take? Like a, two minutes to put on the side? Oh, not even. You just leave that black base plate on there and it sits into the cup so you just take your pole and oh okay i got you so you have this bracket on the side of your boat and then you can just drop the pole down hook up yep. the unit and you're good to go well the unit's already hooked up all you do is just wherever you get to wherever you're fishing at just drop it in and you're scoping you're done ah uh, i see yeah so i leave mine i've got my scout model beside me and i just run it down beside my seat there right beside me and I've got the bracket already there and everything, and I run uh, dual Garmin's. So I've actually just click and turn on this live scope, pick it up, plop it in, and then just while I'm idling, I look at live scope while I'm idling. It's next level stuff. <laughs> it's good, man. But crappie fishing, dude, it, it's amazing. Even chasing fish, if you're if you like chasing fish with live scope. Once you take it off of the foot pedal, like, cause then you can just go whatever direction you want to go. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to turn right and go right, well, you can scope to the left, you know, like, but it's not a, you don't have to use both feet. You can just twist with your wrist. Innovations and how quickly all this is evolving is, uh, is pretty impressive in the industry. Yeah. These guys have been working on this for about two years now, but, it's time now that, you know, they, they hired me and brought me on for uh, doing sales and going to dealers and stuff. So 
uh, we're ready to, we just launched our dealer program last week. So if there's any dealers out there that are listening and interested in it, you know, hit me up. I'd love to talk to you about it. All right. That's good stuff. Anything else? I'm good, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. A full hour and 16 minutes with Taylor Watkins. Best of luck. Uh, Sounds like on the NPFL next year. That's right. I'm trying to go chase down Patrick Walters, I guess. <laughs> what one more win and you're the all time winningest. You're tied right now. Yeah, well, I was until uh, what three days ago. Yeah. I was and it's still about three days ago. So Yeah, that guy's pretty dang good. He's uh real good. That's I mean, dude, I if I get to go compete against Patrick, that's awesome. You know, I mean, for me to go out and beat Patrick day in and day out is probably not very likely, you know, but I'm beating 98%, 95% yeah. of all the elite guys. If you're so, dueling it out with him, like I said, there's, there's always, when I first got into it, there are always those couple guys in Oklahoma that I'd be like, if I can hang within a pound of this guy, I don't care where he finished. He's consistent. He catches them. He beats everybody. I know I'm doing something right. Yeah, that's right. So, so, all right, we'll go get number four next year. Thank you very much for the time. Taylor Watkins. Yes, sir. Thank you, Matt. See you. See ya. All right. Uh, we're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back, we're going to do a little fashion show. We're going to go through uh, some of the BTL apparel. I have to make some of the final decisions before the Christmas drop. Uh, and then I'll also, uh, also run out. Today's the last day to get your pumpkin carving in for the pumpkin carving contest. We have gotten a plethora of submissions, some really good pumpkins. Uh, and we'll talk about how you can enter that when a complete set of DD-22s and Norman Fat Boys or Norman Fat Boys will have two winners. But BTL on a Tuesday will be back right after this. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Get that beast right there. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success, in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now the casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is gonna handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prized possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. 
All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com. Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing, from household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Tuesday. Uh, I do want to remind everybody there is the BTL. This was kind of spur of the moment. Happened on day four with Frank Scalish a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you're carving pumpkins for holiday, it is Halloween today, October 31st. Uh, if you have a fishing, BTL, anything related, pumpkin carving contest, Frank uh, Frank went again to the holiday spirit, and so did I. So you can send that uh, that pumpkin into matt at basszone b-a-s-s-z-o-n-e.com uh by tomorrow which would be november 1st and then on thursday frank is going to judge it uh based on creativity pumpkin carving skills how it relates to bass fishing btl if it's funny whatever uh, and the winner will get a full set of DD22s, including Frank's new custom colors in that. And then the honorable mentioner second place gets a set of Norman Fat Boys, courtesy of Frank Scalish. Uh, a lot of good submissions already that I've seen on both Instagram. And I've had a lot of submissions emailed to me as well. You can do it one of two ways. You can either tag at Matt Pangrak, P-A-N-G-R-A-C, and Frank Scalish. Uh, tag both of us on Instagram or email a picture of the pumpkin to Matt at Basso.com. Uh, also, reminder to everybody from the start of the show, folks, there is a link in the bio, a link in the description of this show on YouTube, uh, Best on Tours, conducting a survey to better understand how anglers perform on the water. It's 10 simple questions just about some of the habits that you have on the water, what you eat, what you drink, how you... Uh, how you stay happy and healthy on the water. No catches, no nothing here. They're just looking to get some information uh, as far as that's concerned for some surveys, uh, in-house stuff. Greatly appreciate if you go spend a minute out of your life and fill out that survey. Here's the other thing. I'm going to have a sneak peek here. Let's see if I can pull this up. There we go. Uh, sneak peek here. I've been working with uh, Catherine over at ATS Printing. Uh, oh, as people say, I've had a, I had a lot of questions about, I actually have had a lot of questions about when the BTL apparel is going to drop again. The store has been closed for about six months. I think we had a little sneak peek on some of Frank's stuff. This is not finalized, but, uh, if anything, 
tickles your fancy. Let me know if there's something in the collection missing, but uh, spent a lot of time to work on that. Obviously, we got the standard BTL stuff. Now, these are going to be, if you bought one of the uh, uh, Bass Fishing Saves Lives St. Jude fundraiser t-shirts, these are kind of going to be that same uh, material, so a soft tee back with the standard uh, BTL hoodies, BTL long sleeves, going to go uh, some BTL hats. These are not the patch hats. These are, whoa, these are actually embroidered in reduced cost because we got some cool hats down further. Uh, they talked me into doing a jumping fish. There's some stuff that we're not going to do there. That is what I'm looking forward to. Uh, hat wise, that's going to be a patch there. And then also a hoodie, maybe put that one on the front. But what I am excited about is the Frank Scaler signature series stuff. That's a fish that he actually drew. Uh, and we put a large mouth, a small mouth and a spot. They're all three of them are on the same one, but uh, I've been working on some stuff and then also a Frank hat. So yeah, I'm, it, I'm looking at doing a quarter zip. I, mean, I know I'm going to do a couple of quarter zips for me cause I'm a big quarter zip guy. Um, a beanie. Yes, Sean, that would be good. I think we had a beanie. I think we can throw that back into the rotation. Uh, but I guess they don't sell incredibly well. If, if, uh, thanks Rich for doing the survey. Much appreciated. If, if you guys would be interested in a like a high quality kind of like a little dress like quarter zip to wear during the fall or winter, let me know and I will uh, I'll see if I can get that in the drop as well. So Taylor Watkins, very honest interview. Uh, looking forward to see what he does. Obviously, a very talented angler. Uh, as to things, a, a little bit of switch up tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned to the BTL website uh, to have that show booked. But then Frank is back uh, on Thursday, and then. Uh, I'm headed to Texas to do a podcast that I've been looking forward to uh, to shooting for a number of months uh, that will come out on a different podcast channel. That should be a fun one. All right, that's all we got. Happy Halloween, everybody. Get those pumpkins in to matt at bassone.com or tag on Instagram. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>